Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host today, Matt Filipovitz, and we are here talking specialists, and joining me is my phenomenal co-host, Mr. Bill DeFilippo. Bill, hello, how are you? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay, Matt. Uh, people are going to be listening to this probably after the safety podcast, and I think it's important everyone knows uh, that we're doing this an hour and a half after we did the safety podcast, and in that hour and a half, nothing's changed. It's still exactly the same. How are you, Matt? Uh, I had dinner. I made dinner, which was good. Uh, I thought about doing laundry, uh, but then I didn't. So uh, really not much to report on my end. Not a whole lot has changed. Unlike Bill, the Penn State Specialist Unit, which is undergoing a sea of change as we head into 2023. But before we dive in there, be sure to check out We have, I think, every single position previewed now. We're ending it on specialists. So we have, what is that going to be, nine podcasts for you to go back, get fully up to date on the Nittany Lions covering every single position unit. And we are going to end it today, which will be Friday. I believe today is August 18th. Don't quote me on that. Uh, Friday, August 18th to talk Penn State specialists. This group last year was very upperclassman heavy. We'll start up front with Crystal. Crystal was the, is it the Manly Award winner for the best long snapper in the country? He sadly did not get drafted in the NFL draft, but he has signed with the Seattle Seahawks as an undrafted free agent. And he snapped the ball most of the time back to Barney Amore, who after a little bit of a unique career, started out at Colgate, came to Penn State, redshirted it, and took advantage of the COVID year. He finished the year with 55 punts with an average just over 44 yards, also pinned 22 of those punts inside the 20. Also punting in that room was Alex Baquetta as a true freshman. They secured the redshirt, but he still was able to play in three games, punted three times for 41 yards, and two of the three were down inside the 20. In the kicking game, it was Jake Pinneger led the way. Feels like he had a better season than I remember looking back on the stats. Regardless, he leaves Penn State as the program's second time all second all-time leading scorer. Excuse me. Just a phenomenal career that I think really went under the radar. But he finished the year field goal-wise, 12 of 16 with a long of 50. And Sanders Sahadak, who was a redshirt freshman last year, went one of two on his field goal attempts. Uh, with his one connection coming from 20 yards out. Bill, the specialist group, I think, started really strong last year, maybe faded a little bit towards the end. What was your assessment of this room last year? Yeah, uh, Amor is kind of the guy who uh, I would say fits that bill. Had a Mm -hmm. good start to the season. Seemed like a bit of a revelation uh, at Punter. But as as the year went on, uh, wasn't able to boom him like he was earlier in the year, which it's fine. Like by, uh, you know, he still had a good year for a guy who, like you mentioned, had a really interesting path to Happy Valley. I went back and I looked at Jake Pinneger, um, made all but two extra points yep. that he attempted. One was against Ohio. One was against Central Michigan. Uh, he missed four field Good goals opponents to miss year. against. Yeah. Well, well, to, to that end, two of his four missed field goals were against Ohio and Central Michigan as well. One against Ohio, one against Central Michigan, and then he missed both missed field goals at the end of the year in a really nasty game against Michigan State. And then in between that, uh, he was perfect on field goals from uh, the start of October until uh, the final game of the regular season. So I, when, when it came to guys who could who kick the football, Penn State ended up having 
Um, a pair of guys who had interesting careers for different reasons, like you mentioned. Uh, Barney Amore came to Penn State after uh, being at Colgate. Pinnaker, just, God, what a – such an up and down, such a long career. One of those guys who uh, kind of lost the trust of Penn State fans but ended up winning it back, I think, a bit during his final year. Then in the return game, you know, they didn't really do much – returning punts which no. is, you know that's that, that's just a that's just a hard thing to quantify in general um yeah. and we're very good on kickoff returns because it turns out when you give Nick Singleton the football in a 20-yard head start good things tend to happen so I, I think it was general and, and then like you mentioned Chris Stoll was the best long snapper in America so it, this is a weird year for Penn State special teams because Last year, it was just such a consistent reliable. We never had to think all that much about Penn State special teams. Never were too terribly worried about Penn State special teams. Mm-hmm. And that leads into a year now where it's the single biggest question mark in the entire roster. Yeah, and and I guess we can kind of dive right in, Bill. Do you want to talk – let's talk long snapper first. I think neither of neither you or I are long snapping um, – savants we're not experts uh but it sounds like it's going to be tyler dozanski who is a actually in uh chicago suburbs kid uh so that's pretty cool very rarely does a kid from this area go off to penn state which is always cool to see seems like he's the guy who's going to take over it's going to be his third year in the program uh again crystal was here forever uh, a redshirt guy and a covid year take advantage guy so he was here forever so now it goes to tyler dozanski pretty open and shut case i think there Bill, do you want to start punting or kicking? What are you? Uh, what are you more nervous about? I guess is a, is a good way to quantify this. Oh, ki- easily, easily place kicking. I mean, the thing with punting is that Penn State's defense can single handedly overcome bad punts. And like, good point. Yes, I understand the risk associated with it, but Penn State's de- like has a good enough defense that it can overcome bad punts. I don't know if Penn. The thing with place kicking is that if you leave points on the field, at least it gets you something. And I don't know, or we have not seen yet, rather, Penn State's place kicking be able to show it has the ability to just go out there and get you something. And I think that's a really big concern. Yeah, so like we mentioned, returning to this room is Sanders Sahadak a Lehigh Valley native, which we love to see, but he, as I said, went one for two last year. His lone make from 20 yards, his miss was from like 50 plus. He is just a a big-legged lefty. He can really boot the hell out of the ball. That's always been his strength. They and, brought and one in... thing I think one, one thing that I think is worth mentioning with Sahedic, sorry to mm-hmm. cut you off like this. No, one go thing for it. I think is worth mentioning is that 24-7 had him as uh, the best kicker in his uh, recruiting class back mm-hmm. in um, back 20, in 2021. Uh, mm-hmm. Cole's kicking, which is kind of the gold standard uh, for kicker recruiting, had him as the number eight kicker in the country, but had him as uh, a five star based on their rating system. Yeah, so definitely, definitely talent there. But I guess kind of to push him or just for some added security, they brought in Alex Falcons who spent the past, I want to say four years, but three seasons, we'll call it, with him playing at Columbia in the Ivy League. Obviously, 2020 was canceled, but Falcons has been all Ivy League in three years. He was all Ivy League again last year, and he finished the year 11 of 16 on field goals with a long of 53. So pretty similar to what Penn State got out of Jake Pinnegar. 
Bill, who do you think can win this job, will win this job? There's probably a better way to word that. Do you think they'll go with the guy who's proven he can do it at some level of college? Or do you think they'll go with the guy who can just boot the ball and hope that he spent the last two off seasons and three seasons learning how to become a more reliable kicker? Well, I, I think it's also worth mentioning that they have a, a, a freshman walk-on named Ryan That's Barker. That's true. Ryan Barker, yeah. That's uh, true. There's been a bit of reporting out of camp that he's, uh, he, you know, he's done a nice job. But uh, listen, I, it, it makes for bad podcasting, but I, the answer here is I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I truly have no idea what Penn State is going to do here. Like, everything is going to come. I, I would say kicking is the one thing from practice that you can, with some level of confidence, bank on translating to get, at least in terms of the process, in terms mm-hmm. of what a guy is capable of doing. Like if a guy is able to make a 50, if he has the leg to make a 50-yard field goal in practice, odds are that's not suddenly going away during the game. And it's right. all going to come down to who's able to more be the most consistent guy during practice, who's going to be able to this and this and this. And I think the reason, you know, I, I guess I'd go with Sahadik. Uh Falcons in his college career, certainly a guy who knows what it is like to kick a football in college and college action, albeit at a much lower level than what Penn State's going to be competing at, mm-hmm. but 64.3% in 2019, 66.7% in 2021, 68.8% in 2022 on a decent volume of kicks. So like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, like hopefully Sanders Sahadik's the guy. I mean, I, we will we will know early enough how th- – th- I think we will be able to answer this question uh, by the time the Illinois game rolls around. Yep, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if the first three games of the year are Sander and Al- – you know, maybe Alex is the – Alex Falcons is the guy. Uh, what was it with Pinnegar and Stout? Like 40 and I was, in, 41 I think it was and out 40 Stout? T- yeah, it was 40 something out, 40 like something in was pin, 40 out was out. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I have a point I want to hit on, yeah. but keep going. Yeah, I was going to say maybe they'd try and do something like that with Sahadic and Pelicans, but like, and, and you know, we'll obviously add Ryan Barker into this, but uh, th- this is one of those things where they will, they will track every single kick. They have been tracking every single kick for years and years, for as long as they possibly can with these guys, and they're going to sit down and look at everything and make a decision, and that'll be the end of it. Yeah, them charting the kicks, Bill, is what I wanted to point out. They have – both these guys are – the Richards are secured. They're going to be using a year of eligibility no matter what. I think we're going to see both. I think the fact that yeah. one's a righty, one's a lefty maybe makes a difference. I'm not a kicking expert. Who's to say? I'd imagine that you kick better from certain hashes depending on what leg you kick with. That just makes sense in my brain. Um, but I think we're definitely going to see both. I think – Felkins has a role, I think, in high-pressure situations. That's the guy that has been in that position. He's older. He's more experienced. I mean, the dude's clearly wildly intelligent. He has a degree from Columbia. Uh, and, and that's where I think there's a lot of value there. But if it's, hey, you know, we we need a 60-yarder. They're about to go to halftime. You know, we're already up 17 um, on, I don't know, Iowa. Like, go out there, Sahedak. Let's see what you can do. That's where I think we're really going to see both. Uh, it's just... This is the one position that you're right, Bo. You it translates the best from practice to the field, but at the same time, it doesn't because of the pressure being such a big right. part of this position. That mental aspect of kicking is unlike anything else, not just in football, but like 
in sports. It's like the equivalent of like shooting a free throw with like the game on the line. Like it, it it's mm-hmm. really is such a high pressure situation. And it's gonna it's gonna be a while, I think, before I don't think we're ever gonna feel settled about this position all year. I think there's gonna be some bad misses. I think there's gonna be some nice makes. And I think it's just gonna be on us to you know, be measured about it and just uh, just go along for the ride. And do you think do you think this is going to be something that we ever find comfort in this season? Oh, I I wish I had an answer. To that. Right? Yeah, it's it's an um, impossible question. I, I, yeah, you're right. I'd, I'd like I'd like it if I could say yes. Okay. All right. Totally fair. And then we'll, we'll shift over over real quick. We'll cover kickoffs. Kickoffs never really got settled. I don't think we fully understood what Jordan Stout was while we had him, or at least I didn't from the kickoff perspective, because that unit basically got a three-year vacation because uh, every kick was a touchback. It was wild. Yeah. Gabe Nuosu started the year as the kickoff guy. Jake Pinniger eventually won the job. Uh, obviously, Pinniger has since moved on, and now it's Gabe Nuosu probably coming back into that role. Uh, the big thing for there for that unit for me is going to be coverage. Dom DeLuca was a revelation, you know, in coverage, I think, for kickoff for me yeah. last year. I called this out at the time, which is crazy. That was like a year ago at this point. But Dom DeLuca tackling Charlie Jones inside the 20, that first game against Purdue after the Kevon Lee touchdown may have been the play of the year that no one's going to remember. Uh, but unless I have anything to say about it. Because Charlie Jones was the reigning Big Ten returner of the year. And Dom DeLuca, a redshirt freshman on the road, made a big play. Like there's talent in that coverage unit. Bill, do you think we can maybe see that unit shift a little bit back to what it was under Jordan Stout? Or were you okay with them allowing a few more returnable balls just because they had to? Well, I mean, it it wasn't necessarily a matter of allowing returnable balls, right? It was that Stout was just able to put the ball into the fourth row of the of the stands and like you don't have too many kinds of like I'm sure if they I'm sure if it were up to them they would do that every single time but like I I I, the one thing I'll give them on their return units is with how they use it as a way for guys to get opportunities obviously like you know you have a, a a guy like a Dom DeLuca in there who is able to use it as a springboard into getting more playing time but you mm-hmm. look up and down the roster and there are just a lot of really talented young dudes who seem like they, you know, seem like they could push for playing time. You got to figure out a place to get it for them and mm-hmm. throwing them on the coverage units is a great way to do it. I think Stacey Collins has generally done a really good job with his coverage units that, you know, they, they, they've never looked like they're one guy getting wiped out away from allowing a huge return. And that's a big thing. So like, I, yeah. as long as, you know, you're never going to have another Jordan Stout, or no. it's going to be hard to have another Jordan Stout. So as long as you can just have guys who know where to stand and, uh, you know, aren't going to be, you, you know, aren't getting wiped out. And next thing you know, there's a 75 yard return for a touchdown against you. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with it. Stacey, again, Stacy Collins has kind of earned the benefit of the doubt with this group that he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And, and- Thankfully, he does. He's been a really good special teams coordinator for a very yeah. long time, and he has another decision to make, and that's going to be at punter. Like we mentioned, Alex Paquetta, a I believe a five-star by Cole's kicking measures as well, uh, and came in last year, same school as Blake Gillikin down in Georgia, very highly regarded, took the red shirt, which I think was really valuable, but again, he did appear in a few games, punted three times for a 41-yard average. Again, two of those three downed inside the 20. Pretty good. Not too shabby at all, but yeah. to compete with 
Go ahead, Bill. Sorry, we're we gonna say. Oh no, I, I was agreeing with you. And then you know, while I have this brief interruption, uh, yes, Coles had him is the number one punter in the country, a five star okay. punter recruit. Also, has the number eight kicker in the country, a five star kicker recruit, and he was the number four punter in his class by twenty four seven. Yeah, so the dude, the dude can punt, no doubt about it. But to compete with him. They used a scholarship, and they brought in FAU transfer Riley Thompson. Do I want to get out in front of this? It is going to be mentioned that he was a freshman All-American last year. He is a senior now this year. He skips his sophomore and junior year because he is Australian. His eligibility is weird. Do not ask me to explain it. I just know he's a one-year guy that they have. But he punted down at FAU in Boca Raton 61 times for an average of 45.4, so a bit better than Barney Amore, and 26 of his punts were downed inside the 20. So a pretty similar clip of downing opponents inside the 20 for Riley Thompson. I feel good about both of these guys. I don't know if I feel great about punters splitting reps. Like I, I, I just, I've never seen it. I don't know if it would work. But I feel, I feel okay. I feel pretty good about either one of these two guys going in there and winning, winning the job and being productive. Where do you fall on this, Bill? Yeah, I, so much of this is also the guys you're going to have on your coverage team. As long as these guys aren't out kicking their coverage consistently, as long as, you know, they're getting the ball off their foot quickly. They're not, you know, taking an out, you know, getting the ball kind of uh, wasting time back there. Catch and just get it out off your foot. Let your coverage team get down there. Don't put them in an untenable situation. Like they're going to be fine. I, I think the, you know, a little bit of a difference between, uh, Falcons and Thompson is that Thompson has, you know, like you mentioned, uh, the athletic college football news put him on a freshman all on their freshman all American teams. Honorable mention, uh, all conference USA, third team all conference USA by PFF. Like he has a little bit more of a pedigree in FBS. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that, ha- you know, having him, uh, you know, having him as maybe the more safe option is fine. But with a guy like Paquetta has a big booming leg, uh, has that kind of blue chip pedigree. Again, whatever guy could be a little bit more consistent. I, I would much rather you have one guy who is consistently kicking the football 45 yards and they're not allowing big returns as a result of it, as opposed to uh, – the the guy from San Diego State, however, many years ago where he would just kick the ball as hard as he could and yeah. whatever happened, happened. Like, I, I'd much rather have someone who is consistently doing the thing that they need him to do than kick a ball 55 yards and next one comes off your foot wrong and you kick it from third. Like, that sort of thing. Yeah, and that that's where I think Thompson's going to win this job. I think you used a scholarship on the guy. I I think that the staff believes he can give them maybe not the best ball, but the most consistent punting, which is, I think, what everybody's chasing. You want to minimize risks, especially in this in the new rules in college football allow for I think it's like six fewer plays a game. So there's six fewer opportunities to go out there and change the course of a game. So you need to be confident in the opportunities you get. And that's Mm -hmm. where I think Riley Thompson steps in. So put me down for the Aussie to be Penn State's lead punter. Uh, I think it'd be great if he can go out there and perform. 
if he's Barney Amore, like the whole Barney Amore experience, yeah. I think that's a positive. I think we'll be really happy with that. I think Malik Mega was a phenomenal punt cover guy last year. Yeah, he Daquan, did a great job. Daquan Hardy did a great job of that too. Keaton Ellis gets involved. I think there's enough guys back who have done this now enough times to where they're going to be okay. Like if the ball sails over somebody's head, there's going to be somebody down there who can make sure it stays in the field of play. So I feel overall better about the punting unit than I do the kicking unit, Bill. I think I'm aligned with you and – I just don't want to repeat of like the era right before Blake Gillikin, where it was just brutal. And we saw what a good punting team, what a good punting unit could really do. It can change a game, especially for this kind of defense. So I'm confident in the unit to go out there and be productive. And Bill, you know what else I'm confident in? Uh, Does this have to do with home field apparel? It does. I am confident (laughs) in the quality and the... What's even the best word here? The quality and the coziness of Home Field Apparel clothing. If you did not know, Home Field Apparel is our podcast sponsor, and they make some of the coolest collegiate apparel on the internet and in the marketplace today. They have crewnecks, t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, joggers. I have a pair of Penn State joggers. I have more than a couple t-shirts. I have more than a few crewnecks. And I am always so excited when I'm out there at a bar for a Penn State game and I see somebody else in home field apparel gear. I cannot wait to see all of the home field shirts out walking around Chicago this upcoming fall. And for our listeners, they can get 15% off their first order with promo code RLR23 at checkout. That's all caps, all one word. If you're not a Penn State fan, if you're, I don't know, a, a weird Ohio State fan and you've stumbled upon a special teams preview, uh, first of all, welcome, like, and subscribe. Uh, second of all, they have Ohio State gear. So be sure to go out there and rep your favorite team. And we prefer if that team is Penn State. But again, it's 15% off your first order with promo code RLR23. Thank you to Homefield and Bill. Let's talk return game. Do you want to start kick return or punt return? Uh, it, it's funny because I think both of them are pretty like easy to talk about. So whichever okay. one you want to, whichever one you want to start with. Let's punt return was less fun. Punt return, I think, was capital B bad last year. There were no opportunities, and it wasn't like the thing where it was Jesse Della Valley. No, no, oh my God, Greg Garrity is who I'm thinking of. Just fair catching every single punt, like. There were athletes back there. No disrespect to Greg Garrity, but there was like Parker Washington. There were legitimate Division One, next level NFL guys back there returning punts, and they couldn't get anything going. Maybe they were just a little bit conservative, just by nature of how James Franklin and Stacey Collins wanted to call it. But Bill, I I'm not really expecting much from the punt return game this year, especially with Parker Washington gone. Where do you fall on this? Uh, I, for for one, I think you need to tip your hat to the other team. I mean, Penn State in total last season uh, had 24 punt returns. Ohio State last season, 11, 12, 13, they had 15 punt returns. I think might have 16 tied in there. Like punt returning, it's not about your team. Like so much of it is dependent on the other team their ability to punt the ball down the field, your ability to potentially get to a punter quickly makes it can make it harder for you to return the football because if they're not punting the ball as far, that's less distance 
the other team's gunners have to end up covering. Next thing you know, you're fielding it. You're immediately being swarmed by guys. You have to do a fair catch or whatever. So, like, I, I, I don't care too terribly much about punt returning. Uh, like, I would love it if Penn State could have someone who could break a long one. Mm-hmm. But if Penn State's, you know, Penn State's uh, guys who are trying to block the punt are getting them so quick that it's speeding them up and it's making the punts worse. And as a result, they're getting fewer opportunities to return it. I'm fine with that because that means it's probably increasing the likelihood that Penn State's going to get home a couple of times during the season. So Parker Washington averaging 5.5 yards per return. You know, Emeka Ibuka for Ohio State averaged 6.8 yards per return last season. I, I, I don't, I'm not too terribly concerned about uh, this one way or the other. Like, I, I don't expect this to ever be, Matt, a consistent form of offense for Penn State, I would essentially say. Which I think is, is good. Like, it is it is totally fine to not have this dominant punt return unit because nobody really does. Um, real quick, names, I think, being thrown around in that room right now are the big two are Daquan Hardy, uh, who is well-known as a prolific returner from his high school days, uh, and Caden Saunders. And I'd love to see Caden Saunders back there, athletic Same. kid, uh, you know, very fluid, natural athlete. I think he's fighting for a role in that two deep uh, in the receiver room. And I think this could be a great way for him to build some confidence if he can go out there and make a couple plays as a punt returner. So I'm going to go with Caden Saunders to win this job just because I think Hardy's also very important as Penn State's nickel corner. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with, uh, with Caden Saunders as my pick for that one. Bill, do you have a, do you have a take on this? Uh, I, I would like this to be, be a place where, Penn State's, uh, you know, Penn State's guys who uh, could really use an opportunity to just get the ball in their hands and see what happens. I like it if you, you know, you mentioned Caden Saunders, and I think that's a really good example of a guy who, uh, who I'd like to see in this situation. Like I, I'm looking now to see if Dante Cephas ever did any. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look like he did any return at Penn State. But, yeah, but if a guy like Dante Sebas, if they went, hey, we think this is a way for Dante, you know, just to get you a little bit more involved and incorporated as you're coming up to speed. Mm-hmm. I Like, I like it for that. I don't necessarily want to see Keandre Lambert-Smith or Trey Wallace or a guy who's a little more established back there. Uh, but if it's a way for, again, and, and I, this also I think would apply for kick returns. If it's a way to get a guy – who could use a path to playing time, a little bit more playing time. I like that. So, you know, Saunders is the guy who my mind immediately went to as well. And then kick return. Let's be honest. Kick return isn't nearly as important as it was a decade ago. The new rules make it to where you get it at the 25. And even if you field it within the 25, if you fair catch it, you get it at the 25. Like this is not a, a consistent way to score points. Uh, But with that being said, Nick Singleton did find the end zone last year with this. Uh, Very few returns. It feels like Stacey Collins trusts his guys to know what to look for when they're going to return a kick. Bill, do you feel comfortable with Nick Singleton being the guy again, knowing what we know now? Obviously. I I want Nick Singleton getting the football with a 25-yard head start and a bunch of blockers. The injury concern doesn't, like, worry you on this? Well, you can't get concerned playing running back. And you can't get injured playing running back. So I certainly have no concerns uh, <laughs> at all. Uh, but, yeah, like I, I think that's kind of 
I, I know people who hold this belief. I think it's ridiculous. It's I'm with football. you. I, I, don't, I don't buy this. I don't buy that at all. Yeah, it, it's football. Injuries are going to happen. Uh, I want Nick Singleton to have as many opportunities to impact a football game as he can. If I, what I'll basically say is this: If in 2017 the coaching staff was so unconcerned about Saquon Barkley picking up an injury, returning kicks that they put him back there as a kick returner, there is no point in you being worried about it. If he ends, if you know, I'm not going to knock on wood because there are dogs that would start barking, but knock on wood if Nick Singleton won't get hurt returning a kick. If he does, like, it, it, that happens. It sucks. Mm-hmm. It happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm, I, I truly am not concerned about it. If they want to put Nick Singleton back there, I'm going to be really happy to watch Nick Singleton return kicks this year. I'm with you. And, and again, the good thing is it feels like they don't have to force anything. Like, it feels like yeah. Collins and that unit know – they look, I think, for looks more than they look for anything else. So if they don't see what they want to see when, when that ball is getting booted off, they won't take it out, and they know when to and when not to. So, Bill, that's that's really about all I have. We can't really end it in the traditional sense of, you, you know, who's your breakout guy from this unit, blah, blah, blah. But, Bill, let's let's break it down. Punting, better or worse this year compared to last year? Uh, I'll probably say worse, but like so much of that is because of the uncertainty of like, it, it it's the uncertainty of what these guys are at mm-hmm. this level, not like banking on projecting that what they'd be like. We just don't know right now what Riley Thompson, what Alex Paquetta are going to be at this level yet. And we can't know until the game starts. So like odds are the answer, you know, Odds are wrong all the time. Odds are the answer is going to be no, but it could end up being like, who knows? Maybe we're going to be a month into the season talking about, uh, talking about Alex Paquetta as the best punter in college football. Kicker bill, better or worse? Worse. I'm with you on Considerably this. Considerably worse. Cons- yeah. Pinnick, we're going to miss Jake Pinnaker. No doubt about yeah. it. Punt return, better or worse? Uh, you know, just going off of everything I said about punt returning, I will say exactly the same. And then kick return, better or worse? Kick return, I'll say better. I mean, if you're going to okay. throw Nick Singleton back there again with another year of, with a full year of college experience under his belt, good luck. And then one last one, just for fun, over under 0.5 return touchdowns. These can be kick or punt. I'll say under, just because it's okay. so hard to return kicks. Like there was one... Uh, Let's go through this. There was one last year, zero the year before that, uh, two the year before that between Jahan Dotson and Lamont Wade. Uh, 2019, they returned zero. 2018, uh, they returned one. And then 2017, Saquon uh, obviously had two and DeAndre Thompson one. So odds are it's going to be under. I hope I'm wrong. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say over. I think too many playmakers. Sure. Um, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say someone's gonna try to get cute. Uh, you know, just against this team for some reason. I think it's gonna lead to a return touchdown for Penn State in some some shape or fashion. Bill, that's all I have. Thank you so much for joining me. This wraps up our two weeks of daily shows and our position previews. Overall, Bill, I think this team is is in really good shape. I think this was the podcast I was least excited to do because of all the question marks. 
but coming out of it and, you know, talking through it, I feel slightly better about the unit, but I still think special teams are the biggest question mark as a whole. I think this is the weakest unit. Uh, and if you're going into, you know, your first game of the year with your biggest question mark being your kicker and your punter, you're probably in pretty good shape. So a lot to be mm, excited. I, I think there's, a you're going to say wide receivers to that. I think there's a hair of truth to that statement, okay. but okay. also if they're lining up for a field goal, uh, and it is 30 to 28 West Virginia, and they're lining up for a 45 yard field goal to win the game with two seconds left, you're not going to be happy that the weakest unit on the team is special teams. That's fair. That's, but also if, they, if they're at that point, then I think we found weaknesses elsewhere that we didn't see coming. Um, I think it's fair to say, but that's a that's a podcast for the very very near future. Bill, anything else you want to add on special teams, just generally, as we send the folks off into their weekend? Uh, boring consistency is the best thing you can get out of special teams, and I hope they get boring consistency. Boring consistency. If, if, is- spe- if your special teams, if your special teams are exciting for a reason other than you have Jordan Stout on your team, that's not good usually. <laughs> In a perfect world, uh, you would be fine with them cutting to commercial during special teams uh, to help shorten the run of game times, if it was up to me. Uh, And hopefully this will not be a problem, and the Penn State special teams rolls off without a hitch, much like these past two weeks of podcasts have been. Bill, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you to our listeners for taking the time to listen with us these past two weeks. If you didn't subscribe yet, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform of choice, and be sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you can. If you have a question, pop it in there. We'll be sure to answer it on the next podcast we record. Be sure to follow us over there on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button and the like button. We love interacting with you guys down there in the comments. If you're not, if you're on Twitter, be sure to follow us over at RLR blog. And of course, thank you to our friends at Homefield. Be sure to use promo code RLR23 for 15% off your first order. And for my co-host, Bill DeFilippo, I'm Matt Lipovitz. Take care, everyone, and go state.